Welcome to the Run Strong Podcast. Welcome. Brand new podcast brought to you by Inner Fight Endurance, which obviously sits on the umbrella of Inner Fight. This is going out on the Inner Fight Podcast show for the first, uh, I think it's our first four shows will go out. Yeah, we're hijacking the show. Hijacking the airwaves of the Inner Fight Podcast. Uh, Rob, Rob Jones. Good afternoon. Hello. Yes, there's two of us now, so we've uh, replaced Marcus for one month. We're going to talk to you all things running, actually. We are going to discuss running topics and we are, what we're trying to do is we just want to educate, we want to inspire, we want to pull in sort of our couch to 5k runners, we want to pull in some, some triathletes, might be interested, more yep. the running aspect obviously of triathlon, Definitely. Um, all the way from multi-stage ultra runners, fast marathoners, we really want to make this show for, for all runners out there and we want to make it very interactive, so we're going to sort of do the format of we're going to have a topic show and then we're going to follow it up with a, the following show the next week will be a Q&A show that uh, hopefully people have got in touch with and the topic has inspired or educated them and they want to know a little bit more maybe they want to d- us to dive in a little bit deeper into yeah. some other questions and it sort of grew organically from the from the social um, channel the IGTV of our Inafight Endurance um Instagram. Yeah, so this show is going to replace what you did previously as your Instagram show, your 10-minute slot, wasn't it, every exactly. week? Exactly. So we're going to take the questions that have come in to you, expand them a little bit more. We can take questions that people post us every week at tracks or track sessions or in the gym or come through Instagram, and we can just expand. Yeah, and we haven't got that time constraint of 10 minutes, sort of exactly. the countdown clock yeah. that, that means you have to rush answers. So it's exciting because you like to talk for sure <laughs> I don't mind a chat every you now like and then you like to get a little bit geeky so we can go into all that detail exactly so being being sort of new we've both been on the on the podcast show before yeah but let's remind people a little bit about who, who we actually are Rob do you want to discuss a little bit about I want to know running background and training history my running with. background okay so I am Rob I've been a member of the gym for five, six, seven years now. Uh, running in the background all of that time. My original background was endurance swimming, um, but transitioned to running when I moved to Dubai, and I focus pretty much solely on ultra running right now. Um, anything from, well, longer than marathon is what I would say. Um, longest being what I'm doing next week, a 250-kilometer multi-stage across what he run. We're going to talk a bit about, we'll that, talk about that later, later on. Yeah. That's going to be pretty epic. What about you, Tom? Tell me about your endurance history. Endurance history. Um, Keep it short. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it actually started probably early 20s. I used to play rugby a lot. Main sport was rugby. How old are you now? Uh, 29. 29. Nine yeah. years ago. Nine years ago. Uh, so yeah, and I actually jumped straight into um, ultras, actually. Ah. Did ultra running. And then... Uh, started riding a bike a bit more, worked for a bike shop, and then started doing triathlons as well as ultra running. And then I realized the two don't suit that well. Okay. So I just fought, focused purely on uh, 70.3 Ironman and Ironman. And actually someone asked me this morning, how many have I done? And I had to think, I think it's now about, around 20 odd uh, half Ironman distances and two, yeah, two Ironmans so far. So um, yeah, racking them up. Very quick, I know this is going to be a question that some people do ask. What is the difference between a 70.3 Ironman and a full Ironman? The, the full Ironman is a 3.9k swim, okay. a 180k bike, and a marathon. And then the half is half of that. Which is 70.3? Which is 70.3. Miles. Miles, yeah. So that's, that's where people get confused. 70.3 is miles. Most of us work in kilometers. Confusion. 
an Ironman branded, they took the 70.3 and branded it as a uh, 70.3. Most people know it as middle distance. Middle distance, there yeah. we go. So that's for some new people just to get some terminology in there. <laughs> Learning, already, Learning already. Learning already. Awesome. So a little bit more about us, um, sort of work work history. Rob, I've said you've, you've joined us, joined the coaching team. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about your background, a little bit more. I mean, you're quite science-based as well. Yeah, I uh, grew up, well, university, I was uh, doing optics at Glasgow. Um, qualified, started working, didn't like my job, <laughs> so left very, very quickly, and then moved into teaching, teaching maths. So I've been teaching maths now for the last nine years. Yeah. So very heavy stats-based, actually, so it's perfect for looking at data, programming runs, calculating things. And it's true, but I think yeah. what you do very well is you align it with your teaching experience. That's it. Obviously having to get maths across to, to young children, <laughs> you have to speak in a in a different way and, yeah. and pull things across so you get a very nice soft approach but to be able to back it up with the numbers that you know and, and the stats that you enjoy to look at yeah i think where where i also have i suppose an added benefit is that i am a father i've had a full-time job and i have trained bloody hard in between all these things and so i know it can be done um, i'm not the full-time athlete and can't run a full-time athlete schedule so realistic expectations i think is very good from my side and now you're a podcaster. And now I'm a podcaster, that's it. They might put my Instagram likes up a bit. Yeah, maybe, get it in there. <laughs> so, yeah, and um, for me, I'm very, pretty much from a very different background to you. I've only ever done coaching um, since, since leaving school, really. Did the odd job, you know, working around different places. But essentially, from when I was 17, 18, I was... I was coaching uh, swimming, actually, to begin with, which is the one sport that I try and stay away from coaching <laughs> now, but um, I do. And then, uh, yeah, just became a gym instructor, and then that's when my sort of journey began of through coaching. So it's been yeah, nearly over 10 years now, and specifically endurance coaching since I was about 23, 24, which I just find so interesting. It's by far the most rewarding thing to be able to coach. Even being here, the few short months I have, the, the diversity and the different challenges that I get every day, it's staggering, but so fulfilling. Yeah. It's, it's like being in the classroom, but with older people. Yeah. The same problems, to be honest, but... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. And sometimes I'm the clients can act like little children, but we have to <laughs> deal with that in our own way. It's very true. It's <laughs> very true. And one of the things, you know, we've discussed starting this show for, for a while now. And yeah. we were on <laughs> a, we tend to have our meetings as long runs together, yeah. zone ones. And Your zone one is faster than my <laughs> zone one. <laughs> still zone one in. We, we sort of both said to each other, I could almost feel like, we, okay, we need to start doing this because we were both like, we want to be able to reach further out to people, not just with our clients and, and our guys who we can reach on Instagram, but yeah. sort of through a podcast and through a, a medium that lets us chat a little bit more, discuss things, and, and hopefully even if this just gives one person a spark to, to do something great or find out a little bit more to be able to help themselves do something better in their life, then absolute win. I think the idea as well is that it's gonna, the show is really going to work if people ask us questions. <clears throat> and there are lots of people that do ask questions and lots of the questions will apply to people anywhere, whatever stage they are in their fitness. Some people might know the answers, but maybe just need a different spin on things. Um, so that's hopefully what we're going to try and bring to you guys. People will ask questions, mate. I hope trust so. Me. I hope yeah, so. Yeah, trust me. Right, that's us out of the way. So we're going we're gonna to talk about two main topics today and then um we've got we have actually got a question already a question we're gonna coming. we're gonna get and chat through pre-show question and then we're kind of handing it over over like we just said to you guys to get in and, and ask us the questions ready for for the next show essentially so the first talking point and it's a quite an interesting one 
it's got some amazing stats come out of it. The uh, World Champs, mate, the the marathon that's just gone on <laughs> the in, in Doha. That's just okay, so a bit of background. It is the uh, IAAF World Championships at the minute in Doha, in Qatar. International um, Athletics. International Athletic Something Federation. Association Federation? Oh. Association, yeah. I think that's right. Yeah. Anyway, so nobody cares about who runs the brand. But anyway, it is the World Championships in Doha. Um, they started the marathon at midnight for a start. Yeah. The women's marathon. Uh, the men's marathon is yet to happen. It's going to happen next week, I think, on the uh, 5th of November, something like this. Anyway, so they started the marathon 31 degrees, 70% humidity at midnight. I think the dropout rate was something like 40%. 28 of the of the 68 women dropped out of the race for different reasons, mainly due to heat and uh, humidity issues. The winning time uh, was a Kenyan woman called Ruth. Let me check this name here. Ruth Chepgetich. Ruth, I, I butchered that. <laughs> Give it another go. <laughs> Apologies. You have a go. Chep Getich. Okay. Kenyan. Kenyan. Um, with a time of 2 hours 32.43. Now, I know lots of the guys at home are thinking, bloody hell, that's pretty fast for a marathon. Um, she ran in Dubai in January at 2.17. Wow. So we're talking busy 15 minutes slower for a professional athlete for a marathon, which is huge. That is huge. Absolutely huge. Now, I think the main issue with this marathon was the the uh, the rest of the athletics is being run in indoor uh, climate controlled stadiums but for the marathon they didn't want to run around a track so they had to run it outside which is where all the issues have happened do you think track marathon would have been pretty epic i think that would have been really really good it'd be hard to follow but because we've just actually just come off an another show um of the of the inner fight podcast speaking with boz about her games experience yeah. and we're talking a bit about what's fair like you know to be classed as the world championship marathon runner you should be able to run in any conditions the fastest marathon right you'd say so yeah you'd say so so do you think i mean i'd love to know what would happen if they declared it was going to be on a track i think it all hell would break loose but the, i suppose the interesting thing is this this has kicked up a storm because everyone knew it was going to be in doha everyone knew it'd be hot everyone knew they would be running outside yeah they knew the start time so were they ill prepared for their race sounds like it or doesn't it I, I don't know. What do you think? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it definitely sounds like it. If it, you know, you know all the all the variables. We got a similar thing with the World Championships yesterday in the cycling in yep. Yorkshire. Everyone complained because it rained. <laughs> well, you're it's in Yorkshire in in September. Yeah. It's likely going to rain. You it's know, in rain. North England. So you, you've got to prepare for all all things that might come. The one thing they know here is it's going to be hot and it's going to be humid. So get your heat training done and. When it starts to get hard, know that you need to either slow down, back off a little bit, just to finish, or or you pull out. And obviously, most people just thought, "All right, I'm not in with the I'm contention here. I'm gonna I'm gonna back off save, and pull out." Save themselves a bit. Time of day, they're tired. It's gonna be what one, two in the morning. Yeah. Mindset-wise, yes. they must have been really fatigued, like mental draining fatigue. You can you can sleep all you want during the day, but your body, if once it gets into its circadian rhythm, is is going to switch off at those sort of times that that's sort of dead of night time is really hard to push through so it's it is surprising but when you actually look at all the things how they've added up maybe maybe it's not and uh for her to to win with a 232 i mean i wonder what like, i haven't looked but i wonder what her reaction for it was whether she said that well that was actually 
all right you know, i didn't I, have to push to win so I, that's why it was slow well, i had a look at some of her interviews and she said i don't know why effectively i don't know why everyone was complaining i knew it was in doha i knew it would be hot so i was training in dubai to prepare for the heat so she seemed i think her, her training leading up to the race was well suited for the conditions maybe nobody else thought that far ahead i don't know it's it's an interesting point or an interesting uh, set of results and we'll see really i suppose what happens with the men in a few days time maybe we yeah. can mention that later on in a future show yeah we'll definitely we'll pick that up and, and see what happened i've got a question for you on that mate if you know a race is starting at midnight are you would you change your habits to be able to start would you train at midnight or would you but like would you look after your recovery and and work on getting better sleep ready for the race and just saying on the day i'm just going to spend more time in bed and stay as relaxed as i can ready for a midnight race or would you say no i'm racing at midnight so i'm going to train at midnight for me well i suppose this is going to play down to all the factors that influence day-to-day life um for me i i suppose i would just train as normal i do some night runs i'm aware of how i'm going to feel the days leading up i try and be as relaxed as possible as best i could and on the day try and nap through the day if i could i know it's going to be hard but just probably accept it's going to be a slower race it's going to be harder and everyone is going to be suffering from the same thing so as as a professional it's slightly different because their sole purpose is to Mm. perform so uh, they should maybe switch their schedule yeah i know in the in the in the boxing and like uh mma community like you know the ufc and things like that those shows because they're pay-per-view they obviously got to be on at nighttime that's right people to watch so they shift their sleeping training patterns to be starting if you're on the main card say your main fight is going off at i think they start like 11 to midnight and you don't actually know who's going to be how long before you before it gets there because some fights might be a lot longer some might be a lot shorter Um, it's going to be very stressful as well for the, for the fighters. Yeah, then you've got to think you've got to get your warm-up in, you've got to get your pre-nutrition in. So they shift their whole schedule later on in the evening. And I've always wondered because obviously like our sort of races start can start very early in the morning. And there's always a way up whether you start waking up at what time you're going to wake up on race day three, four days before. Yeah. Or whether you just say, no, I'm going, to gar- I'm going to bank the sleep that I need to recover and be optimal to perform. And on race day, you're going to wake up and you're going to be ready to go anyway because you've got adrenaline and things like that. Well, that was one of the things that I really suffered from, I think, in the UTMB or man race last year was the start time was at 7 p.m. Um, I was still a teacher at the time, so I'd been working all morning, left at lunchtime to drive to the race. We, and then sort of, I think, uh, Marcus drove me, we got there about... 30 minutes, 35 minutes before the start. I remember the group chat panic. A little bit of stress, as you can imagine, from my end as well. I had to get my race bag checked, uh, do all the kit, pack it ready for running for 35 hours, and uh, then it was almost 3, 2, 1, go. Um, not the best of preparations, but, you know, sometimes that's just life, isn't it? Sometimes it, yeah, you're dead right, mate. It is, sometimes it is just just life, but what... That won't what happen you, this year. Yeah, this year <laughs> will change it a little bit. Um, it would. I reckon you wouldn't be able to give a solid answer to that because I think so. It would depend on so many factors for for so many different people. But like you say, for the for the pro guys, they they should know exactly what is coming up and what's happening. Yeah. I'd like to talk to the coaches a bit more, ask them about how they prep them. Uh, one interview I read from. I can't remember who the coach was now. I need to fact check this. But he basically said that the entire thing was ridiculous. All three of his athletes dropped out. Uh, the three women. Again, I don't know the names. I need to fact check that. But he was basically saying it's ridiculous that they ran a race in these conditions 
at this time. But again, he would have been well prepared. He would have known that this was happening. He should have trained his athletes for those conditions. Yep, I 100% agree. I, think, I don't know what we sort of think marathon running. I think men's has obviously got quite a higher status, but like I haven't heard that much of it over, over here. It hasn't been covered. I'm not really in the mainstream news over here, but has there been much coverage of, of the marathon over here? Will people have stayed up to watch it? Would it have been that big of an event? I don't, uh, again, I well, I uh, have BBC TV here. Um, mm. I've been watching the rugby. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And they're just following the highlights afterwards of the World Championships. But I think from what I've from what I've read, the crowds aren't as big as they could be. So it's been quite tough on the athletes. The stadiums are quite empty, um, which is a real shame. I think maybe there just isn't the population in Doha at the minute to fill the stadiums. Where you know, if they're at in London or if they're in Dubai, even yeah. you know, just somewhere a bit closer with a bit more of a can't hub. imagine that big of a crowd being out there <laughs> no, not, not to see a marathon at midnight anyway but that and that can change the dynamic of a race as well if you race it if you tend to like to race off crowds and things or even afterwards if, if you know if people if you come away from a race experience and, and even if you've come like you know 10th or 20th or way down in the field but you've had a great experience then you're going to talk highly of it yeah. if if their athletes are done really well and suddenly we're seeing like amazing uh, times and things for the for the humidity and heat and the, because they started at midnight suddenly it's the best idea and you know all hot races should start later on in the night and yeah. so it sounds like they've just come away with a bad taste in their mouth and so then therefore they've they've knocked it and you look at the footage of the berlin marathon that's just happened as well and the crowds are all throughout the course and mm-hmm. the vibe just looks fantastic yeah um so compare that to doha it's a anyway we've got a new world champion tough. in the women's ruth Congratulations. Well done. I, by the way, IAAF is International Association of Athletics Federations. International Association of Athletic Federation. Good, yeah. good fact checking. Fact checked <laughs> that. <laughs> Thank you. Um, good, right. Rob, you're going to talk a little bit about Ultra X Jordan now because I'm going to have to try and fix my laptop before it shuts down on me. <laughs> you're, you're heading off <laughs> this Saturday. This Saturday, yeah. So this Saturday, uh, me and I think just over 100, 150 runners will be in Wadi Rum in Jordan uh, to run a five-day multi-stage ultra across hard sand, soft sand, mountains, you name it, it it's there. Um, the event is ordered, well, organized, ordered, organized by Ultra X. Um, it's a, quite a niche, small, new and up-and-coming multi-stage brand out of the UK, uh, run by two lovely... English gentlemen. I'm back. Yeah, they're, they're back. super super nice guys, actually, really with a, nice guys. a really nice vision for what they want. Yeah. So let's just talk about that on a bigger picture. They think they can create the world championships of ultra running. Is exactly. That correct? Yeah. And so their they're, the model is quite, quite unique. In fact, it's, it's a cheap, it's probably one of the cheapest multi-stage ultra races out there. Small twist in that you don't have to carry what you need for the entire race. They'll drop that from camp to camp for you. You just need to carry what you need for the day. There's still a weight allowance. You get 12 kilos of luggage total. So you've got to put all your food, etc. you know, rehydrated food in there. It's like Emirates. It's like, it's like Emirates. <laughs> all right, easy jet. <laughs> uh, and yeah, and they just carry it and then you run with what you need for the day. So the races are probably going to be slightly faster. Um, the stages are still 250 kilometers. They're still super challenging. There's still a long day in the middle. Um, but yeah, you just only have to carry minimal kit for the day and your water and what you need to eat for the race. That makes it more of a running race opposed to an exactly. adventure survival race, yeah. would you say? Definitely. I think it's going to make it a lot more competitive. It's going to be my first one of these style of races. 
Um, and we're taking 14 clients from Dubai, uh, UK, Australia, all over there. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna talk field. to you first about your plan. My plan. I don't want to put this on the airways. Mate, it comes out Secret plan. day before you start. This comes out yeah. Sunday the sixth, okay. and you're starting on Monday the seventh. So none of the guys I'm racing against will hear this. Yeah, you won't <laughs> hear this. You're you are still fairly fresh off uh, UTMB. I know. You know UTMB 101k. Yeah. Which we talked about. We had you on the the last Q and A show on the Inafight Endurance Instagram account IGTV. Go and check that out. But so. Tell us, how's the legs? How's your training been in between? What does your training look like between then and now? So between then and now, it's, it's been really interesting, actually. I changed coaches post UTMB. Um, Should we ask into for, that or not? No, I think we'll leave that as... <laughs> you can ask me in person if you want. I don't think we'll put that out in the podcast. But my training my training's changed. So basically, I have changed how much I have been running. I thought I would be running a lot less post-race. Um, I've actually upped the volume more than I would have expected personally. Um, so, for example, today, one week out, I was 20k on the treadmill. Um, yeah. But the pace was fairly relaxed. So I've been doing more running. I've still been keeping the tempo work in. I've still been keeping the speed work in. But everything's just been dialed back a little bit in intensity. When you're talking about tempo and speed work for an ultra, yeah. give us an idea. You don't have to tell us your paces, but give us an idea of what that means. So, like... You know, tempo for a marathoner is like 10k pace. Yeah. What are you calling tempo? What are you calling speed work? I've actually still been doing my tempo at, mar- uh, sorry, at 10k pace. Fast tempo. Fast tempos, but the tempos have been decreased in length. So they've been quite short. The longest I think I've done um, is 1k tempos. Okay. Um, and yeah, so then my speed work has obviously been our tracks Tuesday, which has been great. And again, I've just dialed back the pacing on that a little bit. Um, I've been doing lots of recovery work, so I've been doing ice baths and foam rolling, um, lots of the run strong stretching and flebe- uh, flexibility work, mm-hmm. um, lots of lower leg work, and to be honest, actually, I feel in really, really good shape. Yeah? And actually, I'm the lightest I've ever been as well. It's pretty epic, eh? Yeah, exactly. So I feel, I feel really strong going into this race. Excellent. And how's the mind been coming out of UTMB? And I'm... <laughs> Obviously, I went into UTMB knowing I have this race and then another one after it. Um, so there's been no rest in terms of reflect, think about, sort of have a break and then come back into it. It's sort of been finished, right, process, how did it feel, what went well, what could I do better, go. Yeah. I've actually quite enjoyed that. Enjoyed that. I've so enjoyed that. But then I knew a long time ago that this was how the races were going to be stacked. Um, so I've been looking forward to them in this in this order, if you like. Yeah. Um, so yeah, no, I'm super excited. Nice. <laughs> it's gonna good. be really good. And then you've been training. How many athletes have you got going? I think we've got 14 in total, and, and about eight, nine belong to you. Is that right? Yeah. Uh, no, I think Marcus is winning. The is number. he winning? Yeah, I think he's winning. I can't believe that. I know. Um, all right, well, <laughs> let's. I wanted to ask you a little bit because I think some people would be interested to know. I think I've got five. I've got five. Okay, still decent number to, to look at. What's their training plan? Obviously, it's hard to say because you don't know where they've come from, mm-hmm. where they're going to. And we won't sort of talk about them in too much detail there. So, but getting them ready to go to Jordan? Ready for Jordan. Right, so it's it's five, okay. five days. Yes. We roughly know it's about a marathon a day, isn't it? It's a marathon a day, uh, longer than a marathon a day, actually, I think. And then the longest day is 67, sandwiched in the middle. Day, yeah. Day three. So tell us, what, what's an average, what's a, what's a training? Let's go with a two weeks. Give us a two-week block for these guys. How is it looking? 
two-week block. Um, well, actually, the the way we've got the Dubai guys set up, um, depending on what they do, they'll have long, steady runs throughout the week. They might range, depending on their job and their situation, anywhere from an hour to an hour and a half. Just easy, an easy run, let's say. Yeah. They're focusing maybe on a lower heart rate or a lower speed, building their aerobic base. And that's sort of almost like the staple, the bread and butter. You know, if you have a meal, you have your, your carbohydrates, your proteins, your fats. You always have one of those in your training week. We've got some speed work. So we've what we've been doing, actually, we've adjusted their track Tuesday sessions. Yeah, I like this. You like this? Ultra track. Ultra track. So what we find was in the normal track Tuesday sessions, not that they weren't very good. I know you programmed them. Thank you. <laughs> so they are very, very good sessions. Um, but they aren't quite long enough for the ultra guys. And we felt that that was almost a missed opportunity in the day of running. Yeah, I... I think because when when we started that and uh, we said about it, I actually thought, yeah, do you know what? Because they they are all working fully full time professional yeah, exactly. um, people working as well. So you sort of have to get as much as you can out of each day. And it was like Tuesdays. We know it's going to be a really intensive morning. And yeah. ideally, what I get some of my guys to do is, is to bank it up with some miles later on in the day. Super easy, mm-hmm. forty up to 90 minute recovery run on tired legs after a working day with a bit of mental fatigue but some guys have got families they've got work commitments till late so that track tuesday was not a wasted session but it wasn't giving them the most they could get from a day yeah i mean some days you know you take the warm-up and you do the session there's maybe only six seven kilometers but it's intense yeah so what we've done is we sandwich on a really decent warm-up so they arrive 30 minutes before everybody and they get maybe four and a half five kilometers in of really steady running and we tail end a little cool on a cool down run if you like um, so again once the session's finished they add in some extra k's at the end and it just brings up the total volume and then more recently we've been making some of the shorter intervals that you've been programming the 100 meter sprints or the 100 meter efforts or even 200 200 that we're doing this week and we've changed some of those sessions to slightly longer interval work for those guys again not because it's not useful the obviously the 100 meter sprints are good but it's not quite what they need at this stage so close to the race yeah that's definitely true and another thing except for the finish line obviously (laughs) (laughs) race across the finish line that's very handy true another point on that is uh, for those who have done an ultra will understand or gone through the training process is by the end of your training or at least once you've finished your base period you don't actually feel that warmed up or ready to run until 30 to 40 minutes Mm. into run anyway it it can take a little bit longer for your engine to get warmed up especially after the long weekends these guys are doing yeah so that's been a really nice addition to their plan and then what else have they been doing mate on so yeah sorry how do you get the long how do they get the mileage done the, our weekends here in Dubai are the Friday, Saturday. So the bulk of those miles for these guys might be a Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and even sometimes a Sunday run. Yeah. So we've been uh, we've been doing a few things actually. We've because they're quite a close knit group of guys. We send them all like to the mountains, or we'll all go. So this weekend we did a uh, 25k. There was God 20 of us. Yeah, there's a lot of you in yeah. the in the mountains all yeah. running together, different paces. Um, some guys did slightly less. Some guys did slightly more. So we'll do a 25k in the mountains and then we'll head to the desert on a Saturday and, you know, we'll do two, three, four hours there. And then maybe on a Sunday, we just give them a little bit more volume. So it might be, again, a 12k, a 13k, a 14, maybe up to 16 kilometers. And they're, so they're getting that good block of distance in. Um, there's no set, if you like, 
go this speed or this pace. It's social running. It's what they need. They go fast. They go slow. They go up. They go down. Different terrains, different temperatures, different times. Yeah. Um, and to be honest, when it's all driven about the numbers, sometimes you can get so bogged down with, am I running at this speed? Am I running at this heart rate? They don't even look at that. They just get out, get the distance done, and then they all have a good time, have and a good chat. And you've got to learn through through doing for ultra running exactly, nutrition yeah. especially and how you are on poor sleep and, yeah. and things like that that's awesome mate so yeah we're gonna have 14 guys over there um i mean it must be i don't imagine there's many other endurance teams out there sending that many guys into into races like this so i think it's if, absolutely epic if there are i'd love to know yeah it'd be great We'd to love to hook up, up and yeah. have a chat with those guys that'd be class organize one big ultra training camp together <laughs> that'd be epic good so yeah all the best to those guys uh, starting we'll let, yeah. tomorrow we'll let you know uh, we'll let you know how they get on yeah right mate we're gonna we actually got a question this week so I'm gonna pose this question to you it's coming over this is coming geeky so the question is um, it's from a client actually they asked me the other day and they said do you know the formula to calculate how much water we should take after training so I guess they're asking about sweat rate or sweat rate calculations yeah and this, I suppose, it's a question that I wanted to ask you because I've just... Well, the question got me thinking. I was like, actually, I don't know what my sweat rate is. I don't know how much fluid I do sweat during a run. So I did a little test. I went, uh, I did my training session this morning, 20 kilometers on a treadmill. It took me an hour and 30 minutes. Um, I weighed myself before. I was 85 kilograms. Um, weighed myself after, and I was 83.1. Winning, lost weight. I lost weight whilst Pay running. Pay me my money. I've got you to lose <laughs> weight. <laughs> so that's. So tell me about that. What ha- what has happened to my body when that's happened? Because I, you know, I had my banana. I had my uh, post recovery um, stealth protein gel, and I, I had my my you know my what's it called my six hundred mils of water whilst I was running. But I still managed to lose two point seven kilos. Yeah. Well, your body's sweat rate is a response to getting hot okay obviously we have a lot of here um but anyway in gyms you tend to get hot anyway and and uh, obviously you start sweating and it's the first thing your body will turn to to lose heat mm-hmm. um if you were following the Unified channel last week i did a coach a coach on heat adaptation and, and how the body um has different ways of, of dissipating heat and so yeah go and check that out it's on the Unified um Instagram channel go down to one of the posts and it'll be an IGTV and then you click through to a link to watch that Um, but in terms of your case mate so we've got a loss of 2.66 kilo I did the maths maths obviously (laughs) Um, so what's important with this is you weigh in and weigh off in the same nude basically you should be Uh, do you know what small disclaimer I was I stayed in my shorts I had my shoes and socks off had no shirt on so my shorts actually would have been saturated afterwards yeah, so as well. Actually, you may have lost even a little Probably bit more. Probably lost a little bit more. But do you know what? There wasn't. There was nowhere to be seen. Two point six six kilos of sweat on the floor. They're in your shorts, mate. That's <laughs> they're why. They're in my shorts. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, what? You, if we took took your blood and uh, we stuck it in a in a centrifuge, which just spins it around really really fast, and it all the heavy stuff goes to the bottom, and okay. all the light stuff rises to the top. Yeah. And uh, so you've got like red blood cells. Um, well, mainly red blood cells go into the to the bottom of your blood, and then the, what's above it is like a clear liquid. Like blood is red as we know it, but actually it's not when you look at it. And from a centrifuge point of view, it's it's clear basically, and that is called blood plasma. 
and that's your blood plasma volume. And that contains your electrolytes that we will know about. And so when you start to sweat, that is what's coming out. Is your, it's, it's water and electrolytes basically, but it is also lowers your blood plasma volume. That is what you're losing as you are sweating. And what we advise and what most of the research says is you should rehydrate with 1.5 times the amount of water that you've lost or fluid that you've lost. Okay. So this is why a sweat rate test is quite important to do. And the way you do it is you weigh yourself in nude or as nude as you can be without getting arrested. The gym maybe. guys will be happy about that. Yeah. <laughs> and then you exercise. What I tell people to do is to exercise in the normal environment they're going to be exercising in mm-hmm. and to exercise at a target heart rate that's quite sustainable for them that they will do on average through their week. So what would you say for that? So like an easy run paced heart rate or? I'd say moderate to aerobic to moderate. Aerobic to moderate. Yeah. Um, so not easy? It's going to be high hard. end high end zone two. Okay. It's going to be maybe math plus a few beats if people are looking like that. So math for those guys that are new to the podcast, your math heart rate is 180, subtract your current age. Correct. So take that heart rate, add a few beats, and you run for that heart rate. That's your all-day heart rate pace. A little bit above that. Or if you're more in your zone system, then zone two, high-end zone two, knocking on the door of of zone three. So how long would you run at that pace for? I would say an hour. Then you know your sweat rate per hour. Oh, that's a good idea. Yeah. Otherwise, you could do half an hour and double it, but it doesn't quite work out that way. Because you never sweat the same at the start as you do towards the end of the run, right? Take an average over over your hour. Okay. So then you... um, you, you do your run, you consume whatever you feel you, you need to consume, you come off, you don't go to the toilet. Right. <laughs> Most people need to pee, they go straight <laughs> to the toilet. Don't go to the toilet. If you do, pee in a cup <laughs> and you hold it with you while you weigh yourself. It's getting interesting. <laughs> so yeah, then you take off, you take your pre-weight, then you take your post-weight, you add on your post-weight, what you've consumed, mm-hmm. and then you get your loss. So your loss was 2.66. You know you've had a 60 gram gel which would have weighed 60 60 grams grams. (laughs) (laughs) you've had 600 ml of water which would have weighed 600 600 grams and one banana let's say about 100 grams that's what I guessed it at do you reckon I don't know I don't eat the skin true true so you would then take that 2.66 convert it into um, liters okay so 2.6 Two point six liters, yeah. Two point six six, yeah. And then uh, times it by one point five. Okay. Go on, then, math teacher. <laughs> That's the pressure. Two point six plus one point three, three point nine. So y- there you go. So for the rest of your day, obviously that's not straight away that you would um, you would consume that, but okay. through the rest of your day, you know you need to aim to have three point nine liters on top no 3.9 liters total total water to replace what i've lost and then to give me the i suppose the thermodynamic effects post run yeah i mean obviously yeah having cold water will cool you down post run but basically for you to get your blood plasma volume back up okay to uh standard ready to perform again for the next day that's your that would be your target intake so would you for that then would you advise people to just have water would you get them to add some electrolytes in or just do what they normally do because you're probably going to get salts from your food and your snacks and whatever you're normally eating right so this extra yeah this is where uh, a a sweat test in a lab can be very helpful is it can actually give you your sodium concentration and i think i'm right in saying 
your sodium concentration of sweat doesn't change that much. Okay. So, depending on where you are, I mean conditions inside or right side. Exactly. If you're sweating, you're sweating, and there's no difference whether you're inside, you'll sweat more sodium, or if you're outside, you'll sweat more sodium. Mm-hmm. Also, more. There's no difference from like two years ago. I was a high sodium sweater, and now I'm not. That you will be. If you're a high sodium sweater, you're a high sodium sweater. It's just the way you're built, and there's no way you can affect that. Exactly, mate. Okay. Yeah, I think that is true. I think I'm right in saying that. But what you uh, sort of. Uh, I don't know how to say it. I want to say like an amateur way of knowing, but like an easier way of not going to a lab and getting a getting a, a proper sweat test done is if you tend to have a lot of salt on your clothes yeah. after running, after sweating, or you can taste it on your lips, um, then you know you're quite a high sodium sweater. Which in which case um, you need to have electrolytes in your okay. in your fluids. Yeah, post running, most people need it because you've got in that blood plasma volume a lot of electrolytes within it and if you're not replacing them they affect everything in the body okay so not uh, not all of that 3.2 was it 3 3.9 3.9 um liters needs to be electrolytes just but i would say at least maybe have one electrolyte tablet or salt just post run and then that's that taken care of and then throughout the day you're sipping the rest of the 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 loss if you like the the volume loss yeah um and you've got to yeah. remember the electrolytes come in your food as well. So yeah. a little bit more salt in your food. Um, and certain foods contain higher amounts of it as well anyway. There we go. So it's, mate, it's quite a lot. It's When you actually think about it and, you know, so you're looking at 2.66. That's per hour. Oh, no, it was 90 minutes. That was 90 minutes, yeah. So it'd be interesting to do your hourly sweat rate. I'm going to have to go and redo it, actually. I could redo it and do see. Do a proper one. I did yeah. one with uh, Haysom a few months ago and he was a real high sweater really and I think um i've always been quite a <laughs> graphic quite a high sweater it's <laughs> like so, well you know whenever i did the crossfit and things like that and ever working out i'm always sweating i was sweating a warm-up uh, if you see me at track you look look at me <laughs> what the hell's he just done, done i've just gone for a 30 minute run and um, so yeah i think i'm quite a high sweater anyway but i do you know what? until you you calculated like that i would never have thought i would need to take that much after a run I suppose as well, when you run longer, you're going to sweat more. To a point. To and a then point. what happens? There's a point where you, you do stop sweating. Your body can't afford to lose any more blood plasma volume than it has. Okay. So it will, it will shut that off. Right. Obviously, then it becomes harder to lose heat. So you'll slow down and your performance decreases. So what would you advise then for some of the guys that are running longer, so ultra marathons or marathons, something that maybe is taking them three, four, five hours... Um, let's say for example you know the guys going to Jordan are going to be running 60 70k in the desert they might take 10 11 12 hours there's no way they can replace that much liquid post run no you can't so you need to be very smart with what you're doing while you're running yeah you you obviously can't replace it Um, and there's a difference between this is why a one-day race is so different to a multi-stage yeah because actually in like a marathon say you'll aim well, you should be depleted by, well, the top guys are coming in between 8 to 10% mm-hmm. dehydration levels. It's like, that's how much body weight they lose. It's epic. That's incredible. But you might say, well, maybe that's the reason why they're winning because they're getting lighter as they're going. Yeah. And they don't need to think about training the next day. So they're just absolutely burying themselves and not worrying about rehydrating as they're going. Mm-hmm. Some people actually stop too much to take on water and hydration in a marathon and it can cause stomach 
upset and he's like over, why overhydrated yeah right? um hyponeutrinia hyponeutrinia yeah where you, di- you dilute the salt basically in your body the, the electrolytes in your blood so yeah when it comes to multi-stage that's when you've got to be very smart and start thinking more about okay what basically is the minimal i can get away with if you're coming in after a stage race and you're more than three percent down in terms of body weight then you've lost too much okay so you should aim to be two to three percent within your hydration status each each evening basically so that, that's quite impractical for the guys though that are camping out and doing things like that because they're not going to have a set of scales with them so quite a lot of it's going to have to be based on i guess feel like i know when i've done let's say when i was back teaching when i've done a really hard really long run in the morning or as you know it's been super hot and i've sweated a lot in work i feel drowsy i feel lethargic and it's dry eyes dry eyes and it's just normally if i have an electrolyte and a bit more water that clears it up and i just i can tell that something's not quite right i'm not going to the bathroom as much and when i do it's iron brew orange or you know it's (laughs) it's it's not clear yeah that's a good indicator as well isn't it straight away yeah your pee is good yeah your pee so when you wake up in the morning you're obviously dehydrated your pee's orange you have your glass of water at least 500 mils and next pee you have it's clear clear should be should Should be be. clear that's how you should be living your life but this is the beauty mate of knowing your sweat rate so if we we let's look at yours a bit more again and and we say okay that's 19 minutes let's say your sweat rate is actually like two uh two kilograms Mm -hmm. is what you lost so it's two liters per hour then you've run uh, Jordan, you've you've gone four hours. You can roughly work out. Okay, I need to take on at least a liter an hour. Yeah. So that you finish at the end of the day with like a much more reasonable deficit of like four go. liters than it being yeah. uh, eight. So that doesn't the sweat rate doesn't take into account what you consume throughout your run, if you like. Well, it it does. You, you can you add it on at at the end. You add it on, but then you could pre-empt that and then consume that during. Exactly. There yeah. we go. Preload. 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 Yeah. So the longer you run, the more fluid you'll take in. If you predetermine your sweat rate, you can consume that volume whilst you're running, and then it doesn't mean you have to sink 12 liters of water after your session. Yeah, and obviously people might say, "Well, why don't I just drink all I need to during a session?" Okay. You you will get well. Try it. (laughs) (laughs) Basically, try it or don't. But you'll you'll get extreme bloating. Yeah. Um, You will get you'll you'll likely get this hyponatremia. Um, effect it'll affect your digestion and you've got to carry it like that's a pain so you know i know my sweat rate's one liter an hour so i'm going to consume 1500 uh 1500 mil during Mm -hmm. my run well that's that's a lot to consume that's two 750 mil bottles if you think about that in in one hour it's just not comfortable for most people yeah definitely not i think that's that's the question wrapped up i think that's a good answer thank you for that that was a really good question actually it was a good question for the first one so we need more we need you to send them in for next week. Hopefully, we've kicked off some ideas in your head. The, the topic this week has mainly been on the on the marathon in, in Doha, the World Championships, and, and how people dealt with that. And then the, the question on sweat rate. So, yeah, people, get your questions in. Thank you. What you need to know more of. I know what we need to talk about before we finish. Something very important. Project DXB. Yes. Before we wrap up. <laughs> What is pro- okay? Give us thirty seconds, Tom. Tell me about Project DXB. Thirty seconds. Go. Oh, thirty seconds. Project okay. DXB is a life-changing training event happening towards Dubai 10K or marathon. 
It starts on November the 1st okay. and it runs 12 weeks exactly up to the marathon. We ran it last year. We had 12 runners, mm-hmm. 12 weeks. Okay. Uh, we split them 10K in marathon this year. We're doubling up. So we've got 24 runners, 12 for marathon, 12 for 10K. Wow. It is now open to apply for and it closes on October the 10th. So if you want to apply, endurance at innerfight.com. And then when you uh, when you send in your... Well, when you register your interest, we'll send you back a feedback form that lasts for you lots of questions. Big questionnaire. Uh, big questionnaire about your life to see if you're suitable. And then once the application is closed on the 10th, me and you'll sit down and we'll select. Exactly. So select it's really important. People. If you want to know how to answer the questionnaire, go back to the Inner Fight podcast we did on Project DXB, yeah. which was came out last Thursday, last Thursday, which would have been the 25th, something like that. Anyway, it's like two or three podcasts back on the Inner Fight show. That's, it's called Project DXP 2020, and that yep. tells you all about what we're after. There we go. Awesome. Mate, we were, we're back. The next one, you, are, you, think you literally fly in from Jordan I in the morning, don't you? I fly from Jordan, and I'll be back. I don't know if I'll be standing. I probably will be standing. But yeah, I'll come straight up Jordan. We can do a Jordan wrap-up if you like, or we can fill you in on that. Yeah. And hopefully, you've got some good questions as well that we can answer, and we'll be jam-packed ready for the next show. Epic, mate. All the best for Jordan. Thank you very much. I can't wait to ask you all the questions when you're back. Thank you. Well, now I know my sweat, man. I'll be able to drink enough. (laughs) All right. Thanks for listening, guys. Thank you, guys.